Hey, Table Church, it's Pastor Anthony and... Tonetta! And we are back with another installment of There's More to Say After the Sermon, and so here it is. Uh, we are in the middle of a series about uh, our church's holy habits, and by our church, I mean both us as a community and us as individuals. And we've talked so far about um, friendship. Is it radical friendship? Radical, radical friendship. friendship. And this past week, we talked about revolutionary justice. And Tanetta, of course, has more to say. And this coming week, I'm doing curiosity, relentless curiosity, and I'm sure I'll have more to say about that as well. But today, we're talking more about justice. Yeah. So uh, on Sunday, I mentioned that this was... I think about these issues all the time and boiling it down to something to say to our community felt really, really difficult. Um, and yeah, so just wanted to say a few more things to get a little more conversational. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to start some with why it matters the church specifically be talking about revolutionary justice. Like what precedent is there for that? Um, I think most of us just, from what I know of DC and folks uh, who are attracted to the city probably already have this as a priority. And yet I think being able to name why it's important as a church is, is I, I think uh, critical. So yeah, one of the things that I was really blessed by in some of my reading um, was, was the idea particularly from the same person from our learning cohort. I've mentioned her before, Dr. Salvatierra. Um, was essentially the idea of, of mythic prophetic faith, uh, mystic prophetic faith, sorry. Um, and particularly as it relates to Moses and the life of Moses um, and Moses encountering God. So if you, you know, go uh, to the book of Exodus, you see Moses encounter God in the burning bush and God reveals God's name. It's this critical moment of relationship and self-revelation of God to humanity. Um, it's very personal. It's very mystical. Um, and the next thing that happens is that uh, Moses is sent on this journey to liberate his own people. And so the way in which those two things are like are at the heart of faith or at the heart of the story of Israel, um, relationship with God and deliverance from bondage, deliverance from exile physically is really, really important. Um, so I think that's one uh, thing I want to say, just the way in which it's at the foundation of who we say we are as followers um, in this in this tradition. Uh, and then I would also say, I think it's really important uh, to be clear that Christians have a lot to offer uh, in this work of justice, because, um, you know, when we talk about things like organizing and protesting and, uh, you know, moving toward and for systems of equity, uh, we are talking about those things from a perspective that is not just about self-interest. Um, it is not just about people as instruments. It has a critique of power that's really, really important. So I'm all about power, but we have to talk about the ways in which humans tend to use power in poor ways, even when, you know, they think they're doing great things. Think about almost every dictator in human history <laughs> started out as a revolutionary. Yeah. Um, and so I think that there is just a lot to offer from um, the resources of, of 
the Christian tradition, from the sacred scriptures around um, something beyond self-interest in, in pushing for some of this. Yeah. Yeah. So we live in this um, sort of post-liberal world. And by liberal, I don't mean like on a political spectrum, but just in terms of like since the Enlightenment, uh, we, we focus so much on individualism and self-determination. Yeah. And this showed up in theology as well of Martin Luther's theology of justification uh, was all about self-justification, all about how God uh, fixes the issue with personal sin, all of that. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, yes, th- those are some themes in scripture, but something that's important to remember is that both the Hebrew and the Greek word for what is often translated as justification or righteousness in our Bibles uh, is also the same word used for justice. And they are two sides of the same coin, maybe. But in, I, I would say the, the emphasis in the Hebrew mindset is about communal justice. And that's what righteousness is all about. Not about like my individual, am I right with God? But is the community experiencing from a Hebrew mindset, shalom, wholeness, right relationship, um, from Paul's perspective and his use of diakosune, righteousness, justification. Um, it is about covenant faithfulness. Are we being are we being faithful to the expectations that we have for for each other? And yeah, the the exodus, uh, the exit from slavery, from the rule of tyranny and death precedes the law code. That all happens before the do this, 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 and the other thing. It's God's making right a community, uh, setting them free, having them experience justice that then leads to even the ability to talk about, you know, how do I act in my day-to-day life? Um, so the, the Christian community, I mean, so many of us have experienced communities that are all about the, the, your personal behavior, um, instead of, is the community flourishing? Are those outside of us flourishing? Uh, and what responsibility do we have towards that? And that, of course, will affect our personal behavior. But if you get one before the other, things get real demented real quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I don't want to underestimate. I, I think for most people, um, even across cultures in this country, I think to talk about uh, these issues, it's a shift from the the communal, from the personal to the communal. It is shifting a, a major center of gravity yeah. uh, on a whole host of issues. So I just, I want to name that too, that revolutionary justice is one of the, you know, um, the values we're lifting up that maybe most gets at that shift. But it is, if we're talking more and more communal, I think for many of us, it is, it is a very, it's a vast change from what we have known. Yeah, and I think that pairs really well with what we talked about with radical friendship of friendship requires a sort of making space and making room for uh, wants and desires other than my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are lots of dynamics to talk about that, of what does that mean for uh, particular intersections of privilege? What does that mean for particular intersections of uh, being pushed to the edge? Um because what I need to give up is going to look very different than what somebody else might need to give up. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I I was surprised to find myself in First Corinthians. I am, <laughs> I, uh, I I would say uh, because of all the logic that you find in Paul's writing, it is not always my favorite place to go. <laughs> like I'm very like touchy feely, and let's talk about it. let's do some psalms, that's poetry. Um, so it was very interesting to feel pulled toward these particular set of th- these two texts uh, in First Corinthians, and it is. So abundantly clear that um, in in the first story we talked about, which is First Corinthians in First Corinthians eleven, of these folks gathering around, um, you know, these house churches meeting together and taking this kind of communion meal, that they are not prioritizing the perspective of these folks who are not, you know, able to be present, most likely because of socioeconomic circumstances within. A Roman Empire that was not kind at all to the least. Um, and yeah, I just, it just made me think so much about for many of us, I would, I wonder about how much in some ways easier it is to talk about even things like race or ethnicity or, you know, all kinds of other differences versus class. Because mm. this seems deeply a class issue when you have a church that has actual slaves inside of it and then actually very wealthy people inside of it and they are trying to live in, to live beside each other yeah there's there's some irony there like uh, there's a <laughs> how clear do i want to be there's a certain kind of conversation around race that wants to put race aside and only talk about class mm-hmm. as if colorism didn't have anything to do with how we ended up with particular classes in in the these united states right. Uh, and then I think there's another kind of conversation, right. probably a more, I'll say, liberal progressive spaces. Like we make it all about race, which is necessary and historically accurate, yes. and then yep. really feel uncomfy about what to do about wealth in particular mm-hmm. and what that gives access towards and mm-hmm. uh, the actual sort of practical things of what does it mean to to listen to the poor, to live alongside the poor, to not try to rescue the poor because we have it figured out and they don't, uh, but rather question the the broader walls of society. Oh gosh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I I thought a lot about how in talking about prioritizing, you know, when you get into the First Corinthians twelve, there's this clear sense that the folks who are considered weakest, um, folks who have the weaker spiritual gifts are the folks who are indispensable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is this very clear, like, prioritizing that. And I, I thought a lot about how it it could easily be perceived that, like, for me, like, oh, okay, I'm black, I'm queer, I'm a woman, I'm, I'm hitting all these categories, so maybe it feels easy to say that, but it doesn't at all, because I think a lot about, yeah, for me, the class stuff, um, how do I prioritize? I, for most of my life, have been fairly well-resourced, um, I'm able-bodied. I, you know, you could just, I, you know, I am not a trans human being. Like there are all these ways that I still am on the kind of privileged side of things. And I think taking that seriously, like wherever you are is important. And there are to say that there aren't people who, you know, they really do. They, they, they need to be, well, we talked about this a little bit in terms of the you know, being called to to self-giving and emptying, their emptying is to get rid of all of the the crap that they've been told all their lives. So yeah, that right. that is a real thing too. But I just wanna wanna say that I think 
this is for me feels like one of those teachings that it just hits almost everybody um in terms of like difficulty what does it mean to prioritize folks who are um and perspectives that are different from yours and that are marginalized yeah yeah you brought up the word reversal on sunday and you didn't get get into it too much but Mm -hmm. just uh reversal is a recurring jesus theme it is a recurring jesus theme that sounds really nice on bumper stickers and vinyl signs we put on our 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 nice suburban homes last shall be first and first shall be last and uh, if you do, I'm, I'm going to talk about this on Sunday. If you don't become like a child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Childlike faith, all these sort of things. Sounds cool. And then you actually start getting into, but what, is, what does that mean? And Mary's Magnifica of uh, casting rulers from their thrones and sending the rich away uh, hungry. And like, oh, damn, that has real implications that if somebody were to start implementing that in my life, I'm going to... I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some punches real quick because I'm gonna feel yeah. um, protective and defensive. But if Jesus means what he says in terms of that reversal, um, that does mean I have to start I have to start forming within me an openness to that um, and start practicing that ahead of time. Uh, otherwise, man, I don't know. It might just happen to me if, whether or not I'm ready for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, one of the clearest examples is when it comes to land, um, land that is we're all inhabiting that for most of us is not our land um, that, you know, stolen from native people. And so the idea that if, um, you know, yeah, in terms of reversal, if that land were rightfully redistributed, most of us would really um struggle with how that looked so i think um there's just some recognition of of those kinds of dynamics in this conversation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i also wanted to get at this yeah i love this passage um that the so in first corinthians 12 there's this sense that um paul addresses these kind of two people like if you look at the verses um, in terms of like the, inst- the indispensability uh, of the weaker members. And there are clearly people who would say, you know, who have a lower estimation of themselves and there's comfort for those people that you are important, your gifts are important. And then it's clear that there are people um, that he's addressing that have a higher estimation of themselves. And I, I, a thing that I have struggled so much with, like, I guess in the past maybe decade or so, um, is thinking about where... I fit in, um, and where, you know, how, how we each can be discerning where we fit into all of this well. Um, and again, I like a framework, also Dr. Salvatierra, where she talks about kind of three groups of people that are often in the church. And she talks about like the Amoses, the people who are kind of like homegrown prophets, um, are not the people who are privileged, but are very much called, um, and have, so have a particular gifting. She talks about, um, the Lydia's people who, you know, Lydia in the book of Acts is a, a seller of purple. She's clearly well off. She's able to host a church in her home, which meant she's pretty wealthy. Yeah. Um, and so she has a particular role in this movement. And then you've got, um, the other category, um, is, are the Ruth's people who clearly like kind of start out Ruth, 
um, in the book of Ruth starts out very much like, Ooh, situation is precarious, um, financially in every way. And by the end of it, she's married, you know, at least somebody that's fairly stable financially and economically. So has shifted. And so how does thinking about like, where am I in all of that? Am I an Amos? Am I more Lydia? Am I more Ruth fit into the gifts that I, um, can bring in terms of revolutionary justice. Uh, and that's not to, to be limiting, but it is to be aware of who you are. Uh, and I also think a lot about um, with kind of knowing who you are, every time I gather with organizers, I love it, like trained organizers, they always start with this question of, in some way, some version of the question, what keeps you in this work? Like, what is your story? And I always hear stories of like, my grandmother did this or this happened or I witnessed this thing. And they are just deeply in touch with this is who I am. This is the past and the personality that brings me into this work. And then that then informs the way that they show up to it. Um, so I think that that work of discernment is is pretty important. As you As you bring up those three sort of archetypes, I'm thinking about how the table historically we've been told many times the table attracts a transient group of folks. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I left. Uh, okay. Continue. And I think transient, uh, might be covering up another word, which is like mobility of you can, you can come into the city. You can, you have the, some of us have the privilege of being able to choose a church that fits us best. And then at some point you have the mobility to get out of the city. Um, or, you know, if something that the church does uh, ruffles your feathers for one way or another, you have the ability to go find another church that uh, smooths your feathers back out. And I, I guess I just want to ask aloud, uh, what is it about the table that like those who don't have that sort of mobility, those who have been in the city for years or decades or generations, have have yet to show much interest in this place. Uh, I think that's a question worth asking and looking real hard in the mirror about, um, because I wonder if it shows us something about uh, how much we want to get into this work, um, or do we just do we like how kind of unfettered we are? Brother Pastor. Okay, no, Brother Pastor. All right, all right. <laughs> yeah, that that is that's a good word. That's a good wondering aloud. Um, I, you know, I, I would say since Trayvon Martin's um, death execution, um, I have been thinking a lot about like as a person who is very much like I was a teacher, I like, um, you know, reading and those kinds of things and learning. I've been thinking a lot about, and, and I've watched the kind of cycles of people waking up and then just like, we're going to go read about a thing. We're going to go read another thing. We're going to read. Oh yeah. We have these ideas. Um, and like, what is it? I, I have pretty solidly come to the sense that the next step for most people is organizing. Mm. is getting involved with organizers who know how to like door knock. And, and for me, that all feels deeply uncomfortable, but I think it is the work that says we are here. Yeah. We're knocking on doors. We're at, you know, community events. We are here. We are not 
just have we don't have these kind of ungrounded platitudes around these things like we are showing up with our bodies and i you know i think many churches on all sides of kind of the spectrum of, of theology are not great at like that kind of organizing muscle of day in and day out and you know the the art you know the arc of history is long and we just got to keep showing up i don't think that muscle um particularly out of the evangelical world i'll say is as strong as it could be and that does signal to people that's not a complete that's not an answer but it is something i think a lot about yeah i mean it's uh evangelicalism has had a lot of sort of top-down approaches so Mm -hmm. hey we have a solution we have a package that we're going to implement or inflict upon a community um and that that works that's true of both like the short-term mission trip sort of stuff which um, has been proven to cause so much harm as well as even you know stuff that's even closer to home but it's still very much like we have an answer that we're going to tell you as opposed to good organizing grassroots organizing is we believe the wisdom is in the neighborhood yeah um and we are here to be listeners and co-conspirators not just uh yeah, sort of saviors on your behalf. Uh, and again, I think about this in terms of the table and, you know, this we're, we're finishing out our first 10 years. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I want to think about the next hundred of we've, we have maybe bought into the, we're a church for transient folks. We are a transient church. We put down a banner on a Sunday and then we pick that banner right back up and put it back in the yeah. closet. Yeah. Um, and what does it mean to be even more rooted in a neighborhood and rooted in a community and rooted in a city? I mean, I think about the original vision of the table, which I think had some good parts to it. The original vision of the table was recognizing that people come to the city and then often leave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would it look like to create a church that caused people to stay? Yeah. And I think that's a great question. And it also left out a whole bunch of people who were already here. Yeah. What about the people who are already here and also need a word of justice? Or are already speaking a word of justice, but we weren't listening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that sort of revolutionary part requires not just a lot of the. I don't want. I don't want to be too harsh, but like a lot of the band aid justice, as opposed to revolutionary justice, which is is harder and it asks more of us. And I think that's what Jesus is talking about by like picking up your cross, picking up your cross. If, it, if it's just like suffering and hoping it redeems something, I think that can be really harmful theology. Picking up your cross, meaning like we're, we are, we're turning the empire on its head. Yeah. That's the good work. You want to just preach on this again on Sunday? Is that what's happening? Oh, this is good stuff. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, that was all perfectly said. I, I agree. And I am excited for that next hundred years and that next 10 years of of the table. Mm -hmm. All right. That'll have to do for now. Um, Thank you, Tanetta, for an excellent sermon. If you haven't had a chance, go back in the archives and check it out. Uh, Like I said, this coming Sunday is uh, Relentless Curiosity. And again, in my mind, these are all sort of form of web of relationships of you need you need radical friendship to accomplish revolutionary justice and if you're not particularly curious person i think your justice is going to be pretty shallow so these all play together uh come this sunday or check it out online and we will talk to you next time all right see you then